Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 668 with our review of The Tomorrow War. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, we know the world is returning to theaters, so we're sticking, we're holding out the last few films we can for streaming-only releases. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week... We are talking about uh, this, this this film, The Tomorrow War, which came out on Amazon Prime Video, and then also the new Soderbergh film um, called No Sudden Moves, which I debuted on HBO Max. Um, so we are talking about these things, and to get this episode started, since there's going to be lots of deep conversation coming in this review of The Tomorrow War, Stephen, I'll start with like a, a lofty softball, um, but... Uh, did it dawn on you as we as you were sitting down to watch or, or finishing up watching the second film in this weekend's double feature? Um, d- did you think about the fact that we were watching two secret environmentalist films? <laughs> I did not at all until the moment you proposed this question about two and a half minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and it, it's coming at an interesting time, right? Because in the last week we saw like absurd like heat waves ripple across the country and i think you know climate change and the terror of climate change was definitely top of mind for me i mean i i just learned what the wet bulb temperature is and what that means today and now i'm horrified for all time um (laughs) don't go on a wikipedia deep dive unless you want to learn about the temperature at which human beings cannot survive no matter what you do. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Because <laughs> um, it's not that much higher than where parts of the world have hit already. Yeah, yeah. That is very scary. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so hey, I mean, both of these... I will say, too, both of these kind of relate to environmentalism and climate change in a way that I don't think you would know until the end of either movie. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that because I don't think you, the listener, will know what we are spoiling until you hit it. Yeah. Um, but it, it is kind of interesting. And of course, with The Tomorrow War, much like Tenet, it's easier to see the whole thing as a metaphor, right? Like anything about the our future selves calling on our past selves to take an action to save the world can be read in a lens of, you know, the earth is going to be destroyed and only we can prevent it. But these movies much more literally than that <laughs> become kind of uh, environmentalist films. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I like all sci-fi is sort of created as a mirror of the time it's in when it's being created, you know? So even if you look at, um, say, like The Day the Earth stayed, Stood Still and the remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still, one of them was about nuclear war and humans trying to leave Earth and creating weapons that could possibly destroy other civilizations that exist in the in the in the universe, and something comes to Earth to try to prevent that from happening. Yeah. And uh, in the remake of the day there stood still, it is more about like humans killing Earth and people coming to try to preserve some like create an arc that sort of preserves uh, what is left of it. So it, so it shouldn't be a surprise. Um, that a film would look at climate change or things like that and and sort of work it work itself into the plot of what you're watching. But the way this film does it is there aren't characters that are like prophetizing the entire movie or being like, it's because of this, right? Nothing happens. It's just like throw it out there as like, huh, interesting. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, and then we can also talk about the, uh, when we get into spoilers, the the political point of view that the movie decides to take when tackling such a problem, <laughs> which is arguably the opposite of what needs to happen. <laughs> um, 
which which is fun. But yeah, I, I like to think of the movies we watched this weekend as like a sequel to The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is like uh, the day the Earth made no sudden move, which is tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, the war. <laughs> I guess I see what you did there. Mm. Yeah, is there something less than pun? Like a pull? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you just did, that was it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like jazz. We, just, we I know when I see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Stephen, what do you say we get into this review of The Tomorrow War? Uh, I, I want to, but first I also want to signal that I did go to the movie theaters for the first time this weekend after a year and a half without seeing movies. And the movie I saw had many penises on screen, and it felt great to share that with a bunch <laughs> of strangers. <laughs> I, I was so tired of looking at penises at home. <laughs> Yeah. And you were at like a mainstream movie theater too. It wasn't like an art house yeah. theater where everybody's mature enough to handle it. Um, right. So Definitely not. How many Spences were there in your theater? Not many. Um, I, w- I would say there was a couple that were like Spence adjacent in the way they <laughs> laughed at everything, but no one, no one went full Spence. I think it was a, gotcha. they, they were partial, partial Spences. Cool. All right. Well, With that, um, we are going to go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for The Tomorrow War, and then we're going to come back and give you all what I assume will be a very lively review. Oh, yeah. Okay, none of you are my child. Has anyone seen Miri? are fighting a war 30 years in the future. Is this a joke? Our enemy is not human. We need you to fight. You got drafted. I will be back. Why is this happening? What about the teacher's deferment and the veteran's deferment? If I don't go, they're going to draft you in my place. But if something does happen to me, you and Mary will be taken care of. If something happens to you, Dan, 70% of draftees do not return. Sometimes a man does what's best for his family, not himself. Move your shirt, please. Wait, what's this for? It's just a test. Oh, a seatbelt. Was it a driving test? No, you don't have jokes in the future? Ah! This device facilitates your jump to and from the future war. One minute to jump. Oh, here, buddy. Take that. You just look around like that. Why are you so calm? Long story. Be an ex-military? Yeah. I have a short story, I guess. Three, two, one. In 11 months' time, all human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the earth. Unless you help us. I was trying to save my daughter. If I got to save the world to save her, then I'm going to do it. This is the end. The human species will disappear from the face of the earth. We are literally living on borrowed time. There's still a chance that we can stop this war from ever happening. So we gotta fight. Well, it's nice knowing you.
All right. So that was the trailer for The Tomorrow War. And uh, as the title lets you know, um, it is a a story about a war that is happening in the tomorrow or 30 years tomorrow. Um, And essentially, all of humans are starting to be wiped out by something. And essentially, uh, time travel is created and forces are sent back to present day or technically, I think the year is next year. Um, But they basically send troops back to mobilize folks to be transported into the future to participate in the war because literally so many humans are dying in the future that they don't have enough people to fight this war. And the only way to do it is to recruit people from the past to come to the present or that future, which is their present, to help fight the people who are are the things that are killing everybody. Um, All right. Stephen Miller, what did you think of The Tomorrow War? Um. Well, if if that plot sounds complicated, then don't worry, because they're going to solve all the plot holes and they're going to explain it, wrap it in a really nice boat. No, I'm just kidding. This movie doesn't solve shit. Um, <laughs> they, this movie reminded me a lot of how I felt watching Army of the Dead um, in that when I realized what I was watching, I was stoked about it. I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to watch, you know, with Army of the Dead, it was like, I'm going to watch a Zack Snyder zombie movie. And with with this, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to watch Chris Pratt do Edge of Tomorrow. That's going to be great. Like, that, that's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, whatever whatever happens. And, like, the cast was super fun. I listened to Doughboys this weekend before knowing I was going to watch this movie. And Sam Richardson was the guest, and he was promoting uh, The Tomorrow War. Um, and then one of the hosts, it turns out, Mitch was also in the Tomorrow War, and then Chris Pratt showed up at the end, and I was just like, oh man, I'm excited for this movie. These are like a bunch of people, seem like they're getting along well, they're talking about how great it was. I'm going to have a lot of fun. And like Army of the Dead, I just thought it got progressively worse the more it went along. Um, I thought this movie started out very promising, and by 20 minutes in, I was like, okay, I kind of I kind of wanted to get to the action and then it got to the action and I was like, "Oh, no, the action didn't make it better <laughs> at all." Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like this movie did not live up to the spectacle that it wanted to show off and I don't I like Chris Pratt fine. I think he's a fine leading man when he's being asked to do things like be a goofy Lego movie character. I don't believe him as an action star because I think when he has to get serious, it gets very cringe rather than being enjoyable. Um, And I thought like nothing was as cool as the movie wanted it to be. And then every time it seemed like they were reaching for like a big epic moment, they decided to veer the plot in a way where it was less cool and more frustrating, um, culminating in an ending that I think is just flat out very stupid. Like I was, I was like genuinely angry with where the movie went in the final like 20 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> like I, th- what, what I find strange about this movie, and honestly, I hope you like it. So we'll have like a interesting spoiler free part of the discussion. Um, but what I find strange about the movie is they do the setups in a way that in any other film, even a bad film, you know, even in Geostorm or something, there's going to be a setup and you know it's going to pay off later. Like Chris Pratt teaching his daughter how to dig. It's like, okay, that's going to come back. He's going to do something <laughs> with digging and leverage. Or like Chris Pratt, like having that little like donkey noise thing that he and his daughter do to each other. Like, oh, that's going to be cute. That'll be a fun callback when that happens later in the movie. And even mcguffins of sort like things that are being 
uh, strive for certain time things about the parameters of this universe it's like oh this is going to come back in a way where they're going to play with it and then flip it on its head and it's going to be so much fun and they just don't the plot just like keeps moving and every time the plot develops in a new thing then like what you just watched doesn't matter anymore and it i I just found the movie strange like it didn't build towards a satisfying conclusion it felt like it kept making its own history irrelevant every 30 minutes or so just being like okay whatever you just saw who cares we're gonna do this now instead and i i don't know it just i didn't i didn't have a lot of fun with it i i don't know i want i love time travel things I like big, dumb sci-fi. I like the cast. I wanted to have a lot of fun. I laughed maybe once or twice. Uh, a character refers to someone as Conspiracy Santa, and that made me laugh. Um, <laughs> but overall, it just did... I don't know. Something was totally off for me. I never really got into this as a big, dumb, fun movie, and instead I just wanted to like nitpick the shit out of it while I watched it. Yeah, uh, well, the good news for you, Stephen, is that I did find it big dumb fun. Um, I mean, this film has good. this f- film has problems galore, and we're going to get into them in a spoiler segment at the end. Um, but I think that some of the stuff that didn't work for you actually did kind of work for me. Um, I think that what, so my my reductive way of describing this film is like you have a friend who wrote this story and. You're like, man, all of the ideas in your story are awesome. You just need to revise this quote a little bit. And then you'll have something that we can publish, like that sort of thing, right? Where it's like, it's like, yeah, there are a lot of very, very interesting ideas. You know, like I am also a fan of, of, of time travel and, uh, you know, big, fun aliens attacking the Earth type, type of things. Um, but And this film has very, very interesting ideas. Like usually... Uh, when we have a uh, future interacting with the present, it is because the future is trying to come to the present to prevent their future. This story is like literally flipping that script, <laughs> going like, nah, see, the future is coming to the present to get people to go to the future to fight yeah. there. They are in- literally willing to fuck up the past to help the future <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and like we're going to get into it explo- in spoilers how... Well, first of all, because I'll give away one of the things that I really don't like. Um, I like the delivery method. I don't like what it actually means to the film because there is exposition about how this universe works that is given to characters who are not being told it, but are just deciding that would be the coolest explanation for what's going on. So they say it. And yes, that idea is great. That idea is totally great. I like it. I like where it's going. I like that those two characters are figuring it out. The problem is they don't actually know and no one's going to tell them. We just take it for granted that these two guys who are scientists um, could have figured it out just by looking at young people and old people. (laughs) Well, and then we get clear instances where it was clearly violated. <laughs> so, it well, l- like it's close, but not what they said. I don't think it's actually violated. Isn't we'll talk mm, we'll talk in spoilers. There, there's something about why people are a certain age that seemed like there were two parts of it, and one part seems accurate, and then the other part doesn't seem accurate based on what we learn later but we can can talk yeah we'll talk about later but it's only the people who are sent back to the past yeah that it's true about and oh there's two facts one fact only pertains to people who are being sent back and one fact only pertains to people who are being sent forward 
I see. And, but, and so they're avoiding a contradiction only during time travel, but not about what the same exact thing would... Okay, I, I get, they're avoiding one very specific contradiction instead of a lot of other contradictions. Yeah, yeah. And now that I've said that and tried to back up what this film was doing, I'll say the flaw in it is that the actual plan the future forces have when they come back is to take only military troops and send them to the future. And then once the military troops who are being sent to the future uh, aren't coming back because they died too quickly, then they move on to citizens. So they created that rule after the military folks, because there's no way they were like, well, I know we have like hundreds of thousands of troops all over the place, but we're not going to send them all. We're only going to send the people for which this l rule is actually true, right? It's right. clearly they established that rule once they move to trying to recruit civilian people. Um, but anyways... Let me let me just kind of hit my list here of the things that I actually uh, kind of kind of liked about this film. Okay, um, so I already said the the sheer premise, the the, the just elevator pitch for this film is actually very interesting. I think I think it's cool. Like I, I'm I'm totally on board for it. If you execute it right, amazing film. They maybe didn't execute it right. <laughs> uh, next thing I'll say is. Uh, the the like they the the plan they actually have which i kind of just hit like the movie like starting with soldiers let's send shoulder soldiers to the future if we run out of soldiers let's start sending other people okay now that we're trying to send other people how do we decide who we send what is the criteria for selection is it maybe the people who are best fit to fight in the future or is it just the people who mostly fit a profile that would help us with sending people to the future like i i like i like all that that's happening there um the idea of the the seven day uh, tour that you go on, like you know, normally you get recruited to the military, you go on a tour of however long you're going to be stationed there. Um, but the idea that like there is this literal plot device which will send you somewhere, and seven days later will return you as long as you're still alive. I really really like that mechanic. Once again, cool sci-fi ideas. This is fun. We're all having good times. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I actually like the creature design in this film. I I think like I I know I know you've already complained about the um, you know the action set pieces not being that that cool, but I think that that the the speed of these creatures and their like pure like lethality and like the way they move and how like if they're running at you you're just fucked. Like I, I really enjoyed the threat. Like I didn't find this movie scary, but I could imagine having just an assault rifle and having a shit ton of these things running after you and just being like, all right, we're dead, you know, or, or as one character might say, shit, 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 there was a lot of this film that I found myself chuckling at and enjoying. Like, I, th I think the chemistry between, between, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, Sam Richardson and, and um, Chris Pratt, like, is, is awesome. I love any time they're interacting with each other, so much so that uh, the, the last 20 minutes of the film, which you didn't like, I actually very much enjoyed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, it, like, to me, I think this film knows what it's doing. Like, I... Like, there, there's two coins, right? You're flipping a coin in the air, and if it comes up heads, this film thinks it is the world's best sci-fi, and it is like, I am nailing all of this. If it comes up tails, the film is like, I am doing a very, very silly film 
which just has cool ideas and it's mostly meant to be fun and explosive and i hope you're enjoying it for me it came up tails it sounds like for you maybe it came up heads well no i don't know because i i'm not ascribing motive to that like i think the film knew that it was being very silly and it knew the problem with its ideas it just didn't it felt lackluster in the way that it tried to wink at me just like army of the dead like Zack snyder knew that he was making like a pulpy cheesy b-movie zombie flick and it just still didn't work for me like even the self-commentary didn't wasn't enough to make me be like hell yeah and this was kind of like that where I, I felt like this movie wanted to be the big dumb fun and it didn't nail that for me and that hurt everything else maybe it doesn't help that i saw my first movie in theaters in a year before watching this so then going <laughs> back home and watching it i was like this isn't a spectacle. What are we talking about? <laughs> I, I just saw a penis on a giant screen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, 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 this just didn't like bring me along with its dumb fun. And I don't know why. There, there was something about the comic beats even that just didn't totally work for me, even though I like the character actors. But it didn't. It felt like they could have been recorded having never met. Like it felt like they all were just delivering lines into the void. And I didn't feel any like chemistry between people. So sad. Uh, so going on into more things that I, that I actually enjoyed about what this film does, um, without getting too far into it, you've already sort of hinted at this subject matter, but there is a reveal partway through this film, which a lesser film would hold to the very end and let you think it, but not really know it and try to like turn it into a big reveal that matters. And this film is just like, nope, rip off the bandaid. This is a statement. And now mm -hmm. deal with this film in that context and We'll go from there, right? It, it's not trying to withhold... It's not trying to hold its cards close to the chest or vest or whatever it is called. Um, it is just like, hey, this is an idea we want to play with. Now go with it. And it's going to create other stakes, but it's not going to create a, a sudden shocking reveal that makes you change everything you thought about the story. Um, so I'm glad that the film just let it let it be out there and just went with it and didn't try to make a big deal about it. The la Lastly... Just like, you know, you, you didn't like the, the turn at the end where it's like the film sort of ends and then picks up to be a whole other movie just a little, as its own little separate little uh, journey that's going on. I, I really, really liked I really, really liked that little extravaganza. Um, to me, it was fun. And it, you know, it, it just was it was a nice like to me, like the tone of that trip is like if you haven't clued in to the type of film this thinks it is. It's definitely trying to play in like the Fast and Furious sort of genre of yeah. film where it's like, no, we're not. This isn't supposed to be super serious James Bond. This is supposed to be like we're action heroes and we're going to go do this crazy alien busting thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I get it. We'll get into it in spoilers. What bothers me about that twist is nothing they did or learned or accomplished in the previous movie winds up having any relevance to that last bit basically <laughs> but we we can talk about oh, it oh, yeah. like some things tenuously do but then they don't really like it that's what i found weird where it, it isn't that like oh the movie changed tones it's like the movie literally just negated everything else that i just saw like all of that was pointless <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking about uh, how there are two devices one device does something one at a time and one device does something all at once yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah. Well, well and also the things that they learned to solve the problem could have been reasoned by anyone at any point without any of this except for like 
I don't, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get it. it. It just doesn't. I felt like they could have easily tweaked a few things and connected the dots in a way where you would emotionally feel like that part was only possible because of characters we care about in the previous part of the movie. And they didn't like, for some reason, the script just decided to separate them completely. Yeah. I, I think too, there, there is a scene like you, you talk about lots of things. This film is in, in theory setting up that it never pays off mm-hmm. when you were describing that in my head, I was laughing because there's one thing that's set up at the beginning of the film <laughs> related to what Chris Pratt's job is. And like, as soon as it spends like two minutes thinking about this, this subject matter, I was like, this is going to come back. And then at the end, yeah, when it course. comes back, I was like, this is the greatest moment ever, <laughs> which is part yeah. of why, like when we got into that final 20 minutes, I was like, yeah, of course, this is where we're going to go. This is freaking rad. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the one setup that had a payoff. I will, I will give you that. It was clear that this was going to mean something. Uh, we'll, we'll talk in spoilers, too. But yeah. All right. So what didn't you like? Yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time pumping up this film, and now I'm going to knock it down with just <laughs> really simple questions about how this universe thinks that it actually works. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff we're going to have to actually talk about in, um, in, in I almost said in time travel, um, we're going to have to talk about it in spoiler territory, um, because like we have to dive into the nitty gritty to actually have this conversation for real. But there are some things that I do kind of want to talk about so the idea here is that 30 years from now in the future where this war is actually taking place like human race is all but obliterated right there is like less than the population of san francisco still alive on the entire planet um so like you know the world's fucked it's super royally fucked and we are as a species we are just barely holding on um while the shit was hitting the fan 30 years from now in the future. When did we have time to invent time travel and where did we get the resources <laughs> to build it? And how, like, like I, I like the idea of future comes to now to recruit people from f- to, to, to the future, to fight in the future. Awesome idea. But that kind of only works in a world where time travel has already been invented in the future and then shit hits the fan. There, there is no like, Oh my God, aliens have taken over the entire planet quick get all the scientists into a room <laughs> and we'll have like this new like a uh, group of scientists who will come together and invent time travel and then we'll still scrounge all the resources we have left even though all of our resources are resources are now going to building bullets and <laughs> guns and stuff like that and we'll create these jump towers or whatever the hell they were called um and like that there's something about that that i was kind of like no i like the idea but unless time travel already existed, why would you do that? Um, well, well, I also think to to avoid paradoxes, they obviously need to make it be so there are only two parallel life rafts, right? Like that time travel is both are flowing forward at the same time and you can only hop back and forth in this particular way, which I understand as a plot contrivance why that needs to be true, but... I don't see any reason in the world of this movie that it happened the way they said it happened. Like, it's almost as if they just discovered a thing that already happened to exist, like a wormhole, and they exploited it, and literally, like, no one invented anything. Um, To the point where almost even the seven-day tour and everything is all just like, oh, yeah, God will send you back after seven days. Like, we wish we could change it, but we can't. It has to be, you know, this is just what science said had to happen. Yeah, we'll see. See, like, they, they do say that they specifically are opening wormholes. Um, yeah. But it still seems like they have discovered how to do this. 
I like the idea of their metaphor, which they say in the film, of time is a river. We have two rafts on the river. We can transport between the two rafts, but we can't go anywhere in the river. That's just the way it works. Right. But does Fine. the past impact the future in this universe? So we'll, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> because characters talk as though it doesn't, but clearly it does. Because if it didn't, how would you be landing on the same raft? Mm-hmm. Right? But, but anyway, so let me go back to raft metaphor. So the, so the way that things like Tenet and uh, Looper and Primer, all these films that I love that deal with time, time travel, the way they handle this, the device has to be present in both places, is in the Primer instance, you set up the box, you turn it on. You wait for the duration you want to transport back in time, you get in the box, and you come out when you turned it on. That's the way it works, mm-hmm. right? It's bouncing around two poles of some time distance. Right. Um, then you have Looper, which is we can travel from any point in the future that the device is still present to the moment it was invented and wherever it yeah. exists. And you're always going back to that same position. So the device is in a fixed place in time. You get in it in the future, you come out in the past, and you can't go any further back than when the device existed. Great. Tenet, there's literal turnstiles that turn you backwards, and you go as far as you want to. You could theoretically go until you die (laughs) backwards. Um, Yeah, but if you want want to not go forever, then you had better stop when you hit the time period that the turnstiles started being there. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, So, like, those are all... All that makes sense. It makes sense why you have two polar coordinates in time where you can go between them. In this film, when they decide to go back in time, there is no second raft. They build that raft. Best I can, best I can guesstimate is that they build it in the 11 months. That they, so, so here's the problem. The character who appears from the future to tell the world during World Cup about what's happening, the dialogue written for her is bad because it's written by somebody who already knows the idea of both things traveling in present because what she says, and I like wrote it down during, during while we were listening to the trailer because I was like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense because I was really confused at the beginning of the film because she literally says in 11 months in the future, all of humanity will be dying. And it smash cuts to a news presenter saying, yeah, when they showed up 12 months ago, that was super fucking weird. (laughs) And I I was like, what? And I was like, oh, what she's saying is that 11 months from now, in the future, 30 years from 11 months from now, all of life on the planet will be be about to be dead. So she is talking to the world who doesn't have context for her statement. The world would have erupted into craziness because everybody thinks they have 11 months to live. But no, they all have 11 months and 30 years to live. But she's saying that her reality 11 months from now is about to be dead. So they need everybody to start jumping to the future. So so what I understand is that these jump towers, jump, jump gates, jump towers, whatever they're called, they allow you to jump, open up a wormhole, and drop you somewhere. So they could always go into the past without a jump gate there, but they needed to construct a jump gate here to return mm. to, to send people to the future. So it was like, hey, we're in the past. Now we got to build time travel. So, but then characters in this universe have a fear that if 
a tower were to be disabled in some way, whether temporarily or permanently, then they would have no way to jump back and forth. But the tower in the future could always be risked because the tower in the past should be able to continue to jump people to the future. You wouldn't right. know where you're jumping to or what the state of the world is. But every but, but based on the, what we've seen from this film, the tower should always go wherever you want to send it. And you only need a tower there to return you. So Right. Well, yeah. I couldn't even tell if... I believe you, and maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. I couldn't tell if they constructed anything like a tower in the past or if they just brought these armbands back with them and the armbands are just this thing that knows how to come back and that, like, the armband governs everything, which is kind of how I feel like the movie play portrays it, almost as if the scientist that invented the armband died and now they just have this thing <laughs> that they can use, but they literally can't change anything about it. Yeah, I, I don't know if you ever see... I would have to scrub through to, to, to see. I don't know if you ever see the one in the past, but because they specifically give the metaphor of two rafts, I assume there was two jump gates mm. slash towers. Um, so that is, that is a question to go back and find out. But it definitely, to me, it seems like, no, as long as you have one, you can go wherever you need to. You just can't come back without the other one. Um, so. Yeah. so I have a question in the context of this movie, which does make it mostly seem like the past doesn't impact the future. It does treat these as parallel dimensions and not as the inevitability that you will hit. Um, why would anyone in the past agree to jump to the future to fight this war, let alone everyone agreeing? <laughs> um, so the military folks, they don't, they don't have to agree, right? Their governments tell them to do it. Um, sure. Once we run out of military folks... Um, that's why they had to institute a draft, right? Like, it, it, yeah, people, but why do the governments agree? Why would they want to fight a war 30 years in the future that they have strictly less chance of winning than if they prepare now? To help future them <laughs> <laughs> who will be clobbered, presumably, anyway, if they solve it earlier? Yeah. Like, why does the first two hours of this movie exist, basically. Like, I can't tell what the motivation is for anyone yeah. other than the future people who are being very selfish, just killing tons of past people to fight their, like, likely not going to succeed war. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's mostly because, you know, other films would deal with it better. Like, you know, say films where there was a giant asteroid about to slam into the earth and everybody's going to die anyways. Like in, in things yeah. where like people like, why would people work toward like, I, I'm still surprised. Like there are scenes after the people show up at the world cup where Chris Pratt's still going to school and teaching people are still in the class, but like really all those people are like, yo, in like 30 years, like shit's going to get real fucked up. Why are we doing any of this? And like, there's not really, there's nothing about this film that really shows why the people living back on earth don't just like party and kill themselves <laughs> so yeah. they know the uh, event uh the eventual future is like terrible um and it might be a thing where like when the military forces first went they were like oh this will be a cinch easy job like in the future there's less people but we're just going to overwhelm them with like a bajillion people and everything will be cool but then once they all started to die is it like maybe it's sunk cost fallacy <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe 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 the same argument could be made for actual wars that for some reason governments have decided to wage it just True. it feels like it's all humanity 
humanity meeting all the world governments and everything pooling together to be like, yes, we will stop this threat. But in any other version of this movie, and I get that it's fun that they flipped it because it makes the dynamic different. In any other version of this movie, you would go back in time to neutralize the threat. You wouldn't go forward in time to fight a threat you know will happen. You would take all the information you know from the future and use that to today neutralize the threat. And it, 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 I just don't understand why everyone would do the, the former instead. It seems like a bad plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, we've never, Stephen, been in a situation where things busted out of sparkly clouds and said they were from the future and said, we need you to do this thing, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's true. It's never happened before. So how do we know how to respond to it? <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. But that, that also just made it, that made the stakes not feel real to me. Like when I like the creature design fine. I get, you know, there's Zerg, but everything is the Zerg, but you know, people can't <laughs> help that. Um, the, the Starcraft just like has a monopoly on all creatures. Um, but I just felt like the, how powerful or not powerful the creatures are. It's one of those things like again in army of the dead, where it like varies wildly depending on whatever the script needs to be true where sometimes one of them is this unstoppable force and sometimes a horde of them can be like held back by a few people with guns. Um, the, I, I, I don't know, the way something even just in the imaginary ethics of this universe where I was already thinking like these future people are selfish as fuck, like going back in time and just sending countless people to die from the past to fight this war for them. Um, and nowhere is that like symbolized better than when they jump and like 90% of them fall and die. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that was a, that was a whoopsie daisy. It wasn't a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just feel like there's a lot of whoopsie daisies and like, uh, the people in the future, including, uh, you know, certain, certain kernels that, that we grow to care about quite a bit are actually playing like very fast and loose with human life, including the human life of people who could have had long, satisfying lives ahead of them still. Um, you know, long with an asterisk on it. Uh, we'll talk about it, but yeah. I don't know. It, it just felt funny. It, it felt, it, it was like a fun plot contrivance, but then it made me not care that much about the mission they were fighting. Cause it all felt like they're just in a parallel dimension being forced to battle a thing that doesn't actually mean anything to them. And that was, that was just kind of a weird dynamic to me. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, it definitely is. Um, I, I think, I think what this film is trying to do at least loosely is try to hand way away the ethic ethics of it by selecting specific groups of people, um, for these missions. Um, part of it is to avoid the timey wimey paradoxy stuff, but some of it is yeah. also just removing the ethics of it. Like it's, you know, in our tenant review, I brought up the, the film Travelers. And one of the things Travelers did is when you transport somebody's consciousness from the future back to the past, you transform, you, you transfer that consciousness into the body of somebody who was about to die. And then you simply mm. don't die. So ethically, I mean, still unethical given and if, if it's a person who has no family and no connection to the world and it's just a drifter who's living on their own. And the bear was going to maul them or something. Sure. Right. You transfer into their body and then now you just live on to them and none's the wiser. It doesn't hurt anybody. 
you know, there, there's there's more of a gray area when that person has friends and family and stuff that you're yeah. now supposed to be in. Well, also, it might be rough in like two minutes when a bear mauls you. <laughs> it might be a short-lived uh, Well, no, the, the point is that like, like the lead character, he, uh, the human that was him before he transferred into his consciousness was about to accidentally fall down an elevator shaft in an abandoned building mm. and die. And they transfer into the consciousness right before he falls in. And he goes, what? Don't fall. <laughs> and then now he's alive. Interesting. So, so it, it's you're letting things happen as they were. But rather than that person dying, you know, there's still ripples that go forward from that if that person suddenly isn't dead. Um, like, but, you know, whatever. It's a great idea, sci-fi concept. Um, this film is trying to do something, we'll just say, maybe a little bit similar to that. Um, right. But yeah, another thing that really bothered me about this film, Stephen is it's not even fully aware of the stuff it wants to play in in the genre that it's trying to do. Like, so, you know, if there were these weird creature things attacking the planet, you would want to, you know, investigate them and uh, try to see if, you know, what's the differences between maybe the male and female versions of these things on the planet. Um, So this film is really concerned over the differences between the male aliens and the female aliens here's the thing steven if you have all male aliens and one female alien do you think that it's just male and females or do you think this is a queen and the rest are just the the drone like worker bee equivalents right like clearly this film i mean in in 2021 i believe all female aliens are queens But no, but like, like seriously, they're like, clearly this is the queen, right? Right. But they treat it as though like, nah, it's just this one female that's a little bit different than the rest of the males. It's like, no, it's the queen. Like, what is wrong with you? And they have a solution that works on everyone except for the queen. And they won't deploy it because they're only concerned with figuring out how to solve this problem with the queen. Yeah, no, well, that that is the biggest question is why in this hopeless situation they're in, do they not deploy the solution that works for everyone else? Yeah, like, like Stephen, a queen's real, real scary, right? But you know what's more scary than a queen? A hundred thousand whatever the other things are. <laughs> yeah. If I could push a button that kills all the hundred thousand whatevers, and then the 500,000 surviving humans of the human race could just pick up their guns and run after the queen for a week... Yeah. Would that not be the plan we would want to go for? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the movie has established that it's impossible to catch and restrain a queen. Oh, never mind. No, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't. The movie does the opposite. Uh. I mean, I don't know if there is a single queen, a queen singular, or numerous queens, but it is certainly like many to few. Um, in and it it seemed really weird to me that like until they can solve the queen problem, they're just not gonna deploy the other shit. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just all I'm gonna say is that there's all the things look one way, and there's one thing that looks slightly different, and we only see one, no matter what time we're in <laughs> or where we're watching this movie from, we only ever see one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, if one character would have just said, hey, it's the queen, you know, or if there was even a scene where people say like, yeah, the queen just spits them out like 
asexually and they just like multiply really crazy. That would be an interesting thing to know too, because once again, your 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 plan of what you need to do to kill people in this film changes drastically on where the threat is for the continued growing population of these creatures. Right. I I, I agree. One final non-spoilery thought I want to say is this movie really likes six-minute warnings for something. At least two times, it was specifically six minutes. And the first time, I didn't pause to check, but I swear to God, the movie goes on for like 15 more minutes before the thing happens. Well, it's like that uh, that runway scene at the end of one of those fast movies, right? Where it's like, well, no, all those things you're watching were taking place concurrently. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. each individual per- group of people took place in that 60 seconds yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the all the things I was watching here were Chris Pratt. So. <laughs> Touche, Stephen. Touche. <laughs> all right. Well, have we done enough non-spoiler conversations, Stephen? I think, I, I think we have. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that means it's time for us to close out the, the, the episode for the folks that don't want spoilers. Um, so let's go ahead and get to the verdicts first. Stephen Miller, if you were going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a pass with a caveat. I, I wish I had opted to see this in theaters just because I'm sure it would have gotten rounded up by the joy of seeing a big spectacle on the big screen. I don't even know if it went to theaters, though. I didn't check, or if it was only Amazon Prime. Um, I should probably know that. But any, anyway, seeing it, seeing it only at home on a rental, I was not sucked in at all to the world that they created. I felt the plot holes too viscerally, and the chemistry just didn't work for me. Um, caveat being, like, there are funny, talented people involved in this movie. There are some fun one-liners. There's, like... There are ideas, as Christopher pointed out, that would make for a good movie, like hypothetically, and those ideas were cool enough to think about, but I just didn't get a lot of joy watching this movie. And it's really fucking long, like for what it is giving you. It felt like a big time commitment, given the lack for me of a payoff in in fun points. Well, unfortunately, Stephen, there's only a raft at the beginning and end of two hours and 30 minutes or whatever it was. So you had to just live on that river. The whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to give it a recommend with the caveat. <laughs> I also, I don't, I don't so I, I, I quickly looked it up and this was not playing in theaters as far as I can tell. Okay. Um, but I did watch it in headphones with the sound turned up and on a projector. So I got a little bit yeah. of that movie experience. Um, didn't have to smell other people's popcorn or stand in sticky floors. Uh, which is something I've been able to avoid for the last uh, year and a half. Um, but um, for me, I had enough fun with what this film was doing. It is very silly. Um, that, like you said, the last 20 minutes kind of ruined the movie for you. The last minute of this movie almost ruined it for me. There's a voiceover mm-hmm. where we'll talk about uh, <laughs> in spoilers okay. that almost made me go, fuck this movie, I'm out. Um, but I was like, no, nah, I had too much fun. This is cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that is it. A pass with a caveat and a recommend with a caveat. Um, for those who aren't going to stick around for spoilers, why don't you let everybody know where people can find you throughout the week, Stephen? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. 
People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Tomorrow War, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that music is going to fade up. <laughs> We're going to count out six minutes. <laughs> and then we'll be back, and it'll be spoiler territory. Um, and if you survive for seven days, you'll get to return to non-spoiler segment. So hopefully you enjoy that. <laughs> nice. All right, we are back. You have landed on a roof in a bombed-out Miami. Um, we are here to talk about uh, full-blown spoilers for this film, The Tomorrow War. Um, so where would you like to get started, Stephen? Ooh, let's see. I Okay, there's a few places we could do. I assume you might have a like more chronological order you want to go in. Um, for me, the first thing I would want to talk about are the the fact that the commander is his daughter Murray Murray yeah. in the future and that she reveals the way Chris Pratt's life goes downhill over seven years. Because for me, that should have been an emotional crux of the movie and it should have been paying off some themes the film was dabbling in. And instead it felt like completely out of nowhere and resolved immediately and it, it just like lacked all of the payoff that i feel like a scene like that should have and that was one of my first times being like okay what does the movie have up its sleeve because this i hope was not it yeah yeah so there, there's a lot of problems with with that and it centers around like so that that relates to the voiceover at the end of the film that i really really hated it also sort of relates to some stuff that i thought was going to happen which in a way does happen but not in the way that i thought it would happen i was sort of expecting Let's say there, there's a there's another uh, there's another film that we watched in the history of the show um, where aliens come to Earth and all of the world sort of you know comes together and separate to try to figure out what to do about it and how to solve what their presence means for the human race. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about. I mean, I wasn't going to say it oh, because you're gonna I was, spoil it. I was Sorry, gonna... <laughs> bleep it. Um, but there is. There, a character has knowledge about something that's going to happen to somebody in their life and has to decide whether or not to, de- like, <laughs> no, I don't want to spoil it. Basically, somebody knows that if they decide to do A, B will happen. And they have to decide whether or not A is worth all the trouble given the eventuality in exchange for the time in which that thing will be good <laughs> before it turns bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what I thought this film was going to do, because obviously Chris Pratt, he's a great guy, stand-up guy, right? Seems like a great father. Um, seems like everything's cool. We talking the actor or the character? <laughs> the character. Because <laughs> I think Anna Ferris would say he's not quite so great. <laughs> yeah, well, his character in this film, right? right? We, we believe him to be a yeah. good stand-up guy, right? 
um you know nice teacher nice father maybe nice husband uh <laughs> um right everything's like honky dory like we're all super good sure. and he learns from his daughter that uh you know at some point in time um he is going to uh walk away from the family um we have also learned via christmas card that's thrown in the trash that uh, chris pratt's father jk simmons uh has walked away from his family when he was younger yeah uh, we find out through conversations with J.K. Simmons that uh, he was, you know, he came back from from Nam, um, couldn't reintegrate into society, was just a violent man, was like, nope, it's better that I leave because I'm going to hurt you guys if I stay. I'm bad for you. I need to leave to protect you all. We know Chris Pratt has always hated that about his father. <laughs> yeah. So you would think that he would be like, well, I'm never leaving my family because my dad left me and that fucking sucked. Right. So what we're watching when we when we hear the daughters in the future, her firsthand account of the fact that, um, you know, the parents separated, then eventually fully divorced, then he went away and then one day was struck by a car and died. He has a hard time believing it because he's like, no, I wouldn't fucking do that. And this film seems to be throwing out the trope of like, you know, sins of the father (laughs) since the son. Yeah, in a way that doesn't make any sense because he wouldn't even be the only reason i think i know where you're going the only reason he would be afflicted by that feeling is if he were a veteran of this tomorrow war and that jaded him so much that it caused him to do all those things well well, that's that's not where i was going but we know we know that he what also served in iraq he did three tours three tours or whatever um but it's like it's like oh father was a soldier eventually left he was a soldier. He tried to get a cool job, couldn't get the job. Maybe he's going to be so burnt out on life. He's going to go like full um, wildlife on, on, on his family and just be like, yeah. no, I got to be a firefighter. Fuck it. I'm out. Um, right. Like, yeah. uh, like there, there could be some, something to happen. Right. So this film wants us to believe that this is like a systemic thing in this line of men in this family and that like they'll eventually always leave. Right. So I'm watching this film and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Nothing about this character. The character doesn't believe it. We as the people, I as the person watching the film, don't believe this would happen. I was like, maybe she's lying and maybe he dies in this seven days. And that's how he, quote, left because he never made it back. But I was like, no, that's not what this film is doing. I was like, all right, what if she is going to give him something to take back to his time that will end the war before it ever happens but in order for that to happen, he has to devote his life to this cause that he's going to like, he's basically going to become Noah, right? Yeah. Where he's like, yo, there's going to be aliens in 30 years. I got to, I got to leave my family and go work day and night to try to work towards training these people to do this one thing and figure out what happened in Russia a million years ago. Right? Like, yeah. so that was my idea is that his daughter gives him a mission and the mission he has to then walk away from her. And she, when giving him the mission, doesn't realize that that's why he left when she yeah. was a girl. That's what I thought it was doing. Right. Nope. <laughs> no, not, not doing anything. <laughs> this film's not doing anything like that. It's just a story this film about is how much he left. more like a Chris Pratt is like Dwayne, the rock Johnson, where he's a character that has to be innately good and charming at all times. And yet we have to believe that there's some deep interpersonal thing that he has to redeem. And that, that uh, just didn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. Like, this is like if if It's a Wonderful Life began with Jimmy Stewart saying like, hey, I want to live. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> and then like he had to learn all about why he wants to live. So, yeah, I know. 
I, I was about to eat my wife's like giant gross tuna salad. Like I'm, I'll do anything. I'm fine. <laughs> like now we're com- now we're combining it with no sudden moves. It's like some mobster was gonna kill him, and he's like, "No, nah, I want to live." And he's like, "Fine, we're gonna go time traveling <laughs> and see the different <laughs> versions of your life." Oh, um, but anyway, yes, because um, that had no payoff for me and. Her, you know, the, the actress that plays Miri in the future, she, you know, she's, she's good. She has to do what she has to do. But the, the emotional moment she has to deliver where she is so deeply upset and, like, to the point she can barely talk about it with the betrayal of her father in that moment compared to the way she knows her father to be, it, it just didn't match with me at all. Like, the movie tries to do it by being like, no, I went, this is the older you and I know the older you was great, but then you will change. But... Just nothing about Chris Pratt suggests that he will change in this movie in a negative way at all. And I don't feel like he learns anything that would inoculate him. Like, well, <laughs> he doesn't learn anything. So that's why I almost just told this movie to fuck off in the last 60 seconds. Is because I just watched this movie that was fun. I watched all this stuff. He has this moment where he's like, shit. You know what? I know the one person who can fly us into this volcano in Russia or this glacier in Russia. I know what's going on. I'll go talk to my dad. Um, and, you know, they have to become buddy-buddy. They have their moment. Everything's cool. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. That's touching. Everything's yeah. good, right? Then this fucking voiceover starts. And he was like, that man will never know what he taught me. Now I know for sure I'll never leave this family because now I know what it means to have a family. And I was like, nope, no, you did not earn that <laughs> fucking you, voiceover. You always had a family. It was literally your life at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, like, you already didn't want to leave them. Then you didn't leave them. And then you fought a future war. And then you came back mm-hmm. and you let your da- da- dad hug your daughter. And now you think you learned a lesson about how you shouldn't leave your family? Did, his, did your dad's yeah. dad never hug him either? Like, <laughs> it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. No, it do- doesn't make any sense. Um... So, okay, let's jump to the the thing that really drove me crazy is, okay, so uh, Muri is working to find this, what is she calling it, antidote, poison, it's vaccine, toxin. this it's thing? A toxin, yeah. Toxin, yeah. She's working to find the toxin, the ideal toxin that can kill all of these creatures, including the queen. Ignore that she said they had other toxins that worked on everything but the queen because that's fucking stupid. They should have deployed that like immediately. Yeah, I mean, um, to, to, to her credit, they do seem to imply that they can't rapidly manufacture it because they just don't have the facilities to do that. So it's like, yeah, but send those back too. Yeah. you know, like do, do your plan as as advertised. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, she does the work to get the toxin kills a lot of people in the process that's how science works it's fine um you know (laughs) we're always killing people um but chris pratt gets the toxin and goes back in time because mass producing it is the answer he can't send it forward in time which matters in this universe because apparently time is a different dimension and the fact that he still has this thing that can stop them in their tracks before they even start doesn't matter to him anymore and then the movie just like basically jettisons all that and has him just like look at the like look at the claw that the guy had and do what apparently no brilliant scientist in the future did which is try to look up what can we learn about these creatures from anything 
In which case, you know, in all of five minutes, he, with the help of a kid who likes volcanoes, figures out everything there is to know. And what drives me crazy is none of that knowledge came from Muri in the future at all. And it would be so easy for it to have come from her work to be like a continuation of what she was discovering or something. But they don't. Like, they don't. They and like he is so much smarter than his daughter in the future. He solves this so quickly <laughs> without having any time to think about it. Um, but that's the thing is, is everybody in the future is working in their present. They don't have all the time in the world like all these folks do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, well, but they send people back to, so you would think as a part of their plan, other than send people back to like find more bodies to throw into the slaughterhouse or whatever. Like they would also use this newfound freedom in the past to manufacture and explore and conduct experiments and do, you know, that would be a pretty good use of this like perfectly secure place you can hide. Steven, let me give you a little explainer on the military industrial complex. (laughs) Yeah, please, please tell me. Um, No, it'd be more science funding and less (laughs) Less uh, emphasis on weapons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's... I, I think for me, that was the thing that made me the most mad is this topic that you're bringing up now, is that... Like, I I get... If, if you are in the present with any loved one, you don't want to watch them suffer and die. Right? Right. Totally fine. 100% there. I agree. Do everything in the world to keep your daughter alive while she's in your presence. Once you've traveled back in time, like once you've been ported backwards, like unfortunately he watches her die. Uh, or I guess technically he doesn't see her die. He just sees her in a state yeah. where she's definitely dying about 30 seconds after yeah, he, he lands. He sees her falling in a very Zack Snyder slow-mo <laughs> looking moment. Man, that and sh- then he disappears. That shot is so fucking awesome looking. Yeah. I love it. It is so great. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it's actually the last shot of the trailer that I played. <laughs> um, but it does look really rad, which is a very, very, it's like, it's like slower than slow-mo. It's just like six total frames, but you just see that movement of everything like um, super yeah. rad. Uh, it, it actually reminds me of there's a similar shot in uh, the Aquaman movie um, where, right? Aquaman movie. I feel like there's, there's an underwater version that looks very, very similar. I, I couldn't tell what it was, but there was definitely a Zack Snyder movie that had a very similar composition to that. Um, but yeah, it was cool looking. But yeah, anyways, um, I... What what bugs me is just that like the whole thing that you're trying to do is like your daughter literally gave you the plan to take something back to the past, mass manufacture it, so that when this thing happens in the in 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 between the future and the past, in in a new present, that you can stop it from ever happening. Which means your daughter doesn't have to die. Like Yeah. Yes, it's traumatizing to watch the daughter that you were just reunited with as an adult uh die. But if you can just stop that from happening, you've undone it. It doesn't erase you having to see the image of her die, but you do prevent that from happening. And the fact that every fucking character in this movie in the future says, well, it's too late for our present, but maybe you can save your past or your future. Right? How, it, I, can't, I can't even know which direction they're going now. But basically, everybody treats it as though like you will save your past future. So what you're saying is you are ripping people out of a separate dimension and killing them in a world yeah. that's going to fuck up their future that is different than fucking up the future that they already was going to have fucked up when aliens came out. It, 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 and, and if that's what you're actually doing, then you have no idea that aliens actually crashed on the planet in the reality in which you're plucking people from. So it just, it, mm-hmm. 
I really hated the idea that no character thinks about it. Like you literally said time is a stream, a river, and you have a raft on it and you can jump between the two rafts. If you're on that river and you can only ever be on that river, then any point in time you go in is the same damn river and changes you do in the past flow downstream to the future. And it should be obvious to everyone. <laughs> like, unless, right, well, but I mean, the river analogy only works in a primer type universe where it's a closed loop and the notion of past change influencing future doesn't exist because at the end of the movie, you realize it was all coherent, right? Like if, if Chris Pratt saves the world at all, the river analogy doesn't work because that future raft is no longer where it was when he learned, like, like there's always going to be some contradiction there, but every other movie at least assumes that changes you make can influence the outcome in the future. And maybe it'll be like a, you know, Thanos snap or boom, something has shifted or the world is different. But like, like this doesn't even have that assumption. I just want to say, I don't think the raft metaphor works in any universe where the rear raft can make changes that influence the in-between. But, but yeah, I mean, like, but, but in this world in which it's, it's a single thing, then you are like, you know, it, we go back to which version of time travel do you uh, subscribe to and do ripples travel forward and make right. different things happen. But I think that with what little that, like all, all you needed was one person that like, to Chris Pratt to say like, hey, can't we just go back in time and do the whatever? And instead of saying, oh, we can only go back exactly 30 years to the day, like they're basically saying it works the way um, the technology works in deja vu, where both points in history are, are, are actually moving forward in real time and you have to follow it in real time to know what's going on. Um, instead of giving that answer, they can go like, oh, we tried that, but no, they can't really tell that to people because then they'd be like, why the fuck are we going to the future to fight your war if we can't change it? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it. Yeah, it's all. I, I. I mean, so what you don't like about this is what I baked into the whole idea, and it's why I hate the future people for basically taking a bunch of people to be slaughtered to fight their war, that will not help the past at all, and that confusion is even there when Muri is explaining her plan to Chris Pratt because I can't tell. He seems to be like, "I'll go back, but I'm going to come back for you," as if he thinks she thinks it's too late for their present. But then when he learns the tower is closed and even if they mass produce, they can't send it back. He acts like the plan failed. And it like, it's like he and her aren't even on the same page as to what the plan was. And, and that is just a very muddy concept for the movie, which is how does time work? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is your plan? I, I also think the real problem too, is that like, couldn't you just like send back, send back an envelope? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like i she's using computers to make the toxin can't you just email the toxin back to the present so they also they, they clearly are bringing like computers back because they're doing that lookup when he gets drafted to see when he will die and everything yeah. but they can clearly like query information yeah, that yeah. was brought from the future so yeah the the whole thing is messy but it doesn't matter because not only does her plan not happen they try to shoehorn the toxin in when they go to Russia to fight the frozen aliens rather than involving, you know, world governments to, like, drop a nuke on it or whatever. Um, 
and they have the toxin there because I guess it's the easiest way to kill fetuses or whatever, yeah. too, for about five seconds <laughs> until they abandon it. And then it's like, oh, let's just use C4 and blow all of it up. And it works. So literally the toxin didn't need to exist at all. Yeah. Like it didn't, it didn't help anybody do anything. Yeah. Well, like, see, what would be cool is, um, like, remember one of the, in one of the, uh, Wonder or Wonder World, <laughs> one of the Underworld films, like the uh, the werewolves, I think had UV bullets in their guns, so they could shoot the vampires and like it would like kill them because it's got. Oh, like, yeah, I thought the toxin would be in the bullets. Yeah, and that, that was like, going to be how they fight. Like hollow point bullets with this toxin in it, and you're just and like shooting things up because like oh before you can only kill them if you shoot them in the neck or the belly, but what if you had toxins? Woo. Mm-hmm. Also. Ooh. How does toxin equal body producing its own acid? Because <laughs> that was the other dumb thing, too, is like you inject somebody with a toxin, they go, and then it looks like a, a xenomorph, like spit on its own arm. <laughs> yeah. Though, how badass was it when, when the queen chewed off her own arm to not be infected by the toxin? <sighs> that was badass. Um, <laughs> what blood do they smell and what blood don't they smell? Because there's a lot of blood before... J.K. Simmons cuts his hand. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, you know, you know, you know, like when you like scrape your your leg, but it hasn't really pierced the skin, and this the blood just kind of oozing through. It's like kind of like it looks like a napkin. Yeah. yeah, that kind of blood can't smell it. It has to be dripping blood. Yeah. Okay, yeah, got it. <laughs> um, what software do you think the kid who likes volcanoes was using <laughs> to just get asked a question? find where this came from and then simulate when the polar ice caps will melt and he's like oh yeah sure there you go <laughs> i mean let's be honest if he is that into volcanoes he was d- definitely using some special volcano software that he got <laughs> yeah it's just nice that the volcano software is also a future ice cap melting simulator <laughs> like he didn't have to change windows or anything yeah <laughs> he was using Encarta 95 <laughs> yeah so I, I did just want to mention, like, I know they're doing it for the dumb, fun movie, you know, the the Fast and Furious thing of we're going to save the world is when they decide to go there, find the spaceship, and rather than say, we have proof, we can go back and tell the world governments, to, which we know in this universe, the world governments are more than willing to take unified action to solve a problem. Literally, the whole movie is because they did that. But um, they, they when you're, you're missing the very, very important line of dialogue, Stephen, where they go, once the jump gate was destroyed, the, all the world basically closed all their borders, stopped, stopped working together, and massive riots mm-hmm. launched everywhere. So basically, every country in the world went into lockdown, and the citizens began rioting because they thought the world was going to end in 30 years. Um, I, I just want to say, I feel knowing that Chris Pratt is like almost definitely like a secretly right wing dude. Like I, I think that that is kind of like an open secret in everything. Um, the don't go to the government protests are hurting the situation. Let's take matters into our own hands. Like it, it all felt very conservative to me in a weird way. Like at the end. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I did like, though, I, I had this written down in my notes, um, what you alluded to at the beginning. Like, I do like that they found a way for global warming to literally cause the end of humanity, but yeah. not because of warming, because it unleashes aliens. Like, I'm sure 
probably newer Godzilla movies did that too. Like this probably isn't the first movie to say that like climate change causes some havoc that destroys the world that is aliens or monsters or whatever. But I did think this was a fun one. But what a fucking dumb plan to like, okay, let's five of us go here, unleash them today rather than waiting 28 years for them to be unleashed and then fight them with guns. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, like it, it, it just feels, it feels like an amalgamation of different things, right? Like it, it's like, okay, remember in, in Independence Day when they gave the mothership a cold, <laughs> they mm-hmm. uploaded a virus. They're like, all right, well, we can't do that again. Um, Whoa, wait, what if instead of a computer virus, it was literally a serum that contained a toxin that's like a physical virus? <laughs> and that was yeah. the, that was their big plan. But like there was no like find the ship, see that all these little pods are all connected together um, because they need something to like keep the things in in some sort of stasis and you just like inject it in there and then it just feeds to the whole system and then kills everything in their pods. Also, yeah. Why would that toxin react that fast? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but also, going back to the, the metaphor, like talking about the time travel where you can't change something that's going to happen in the future, um, mm-hmm. the one thing this film did not try to do was that uh, another film might have tried to do is that Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt trying to fuck with the stuff to prevent it from happening is the one who unleashes them. But instead of unleashing them 30 right. years in the future, he unleashes them in the present and then causes the downfall of the entire planet. That would have been pretty interesting too. Yeah. It would have been fun. And then he has to like, he has to back to the future to it or wherever, where like he has to jump back even further to solve the thing. Um, Though I guess technically yeah. that is what he did because he does accidentally release the queen um no exactly that's why i was so annoyed i was like this is literally the worst plan i've ever seen yeah like you're about to unleash the queen on the world now (laughs) also if they were mass producing the serum why did they not put it in their bullets maybe not in the future everybody gets bullets with the with the serum in it uh with the toxin in it but why not build your own yeah I, i thought they would because i thought they were at least going to pay homage to the sacrifice of his daughter so he could be so proud of her like, I thought they were going to show, like, oh, yeah, load up your toxin cartridges. Yeah. Um, but they didn't. Also, they Steve. They were stabbing people in little weird, like, sacks that they were hiding in. The, uh, we, we talked about the volcano kid being the one payoff. There was one other payoff we haven't talked about yet, Stephen, which is hmm. take this claw. It'll be your souvenir. <laughs> and then mm. he uses the claw to kill the queen at the end. Yeah, that's true. I like that. There there was a moment, I might have just, again, not been paying well enough attention, but when they are in Russia and they first see the area where they know, like, this seems like a crater imprint, there's probably a spaceship here. I feel like a character just goes lighted up and then bombs explode everywhere. Was there, like, an airstrike they called in that I didn't see? No, they, or they, I think they placed... Ambient bombs. No, I, I think they had, they had placed... Uh like a row of depth charges not depth charges that's ocean um but you know what i mean like mining charges along the ridge but i feel like in the but i feel like in the movie they are walking over to find it and then they say oh that must be it and then they decide to do it like they haven't already been there steven do you really want to watch them set all those charges up (laughs) it was a jump in time (laughs) yeah a much smaller jump than what the rest of the film is doing 30 years or I'm out. I can't, <laughs> I can't take any shorter. 
Speaking of time, Steven, I think we're about out of it. Yep. <laughs> 30 years from now, we'll still be recording this episode. <laughs> I, I was imagining 30 years from now, we come back to the present and warn ourselves not to finish recording this podcast because in the future, every movie is a sequel of The Tomorrow War. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have one more film to review for you this weekend and that's no sudden moves but steve and i are going to make actual sudden moves right now to go off to record that so thanks for listening um if you made it this far and if not uh, i'm sorry we couldn't draft you yes.